and you know he liked us and he thought thought everything was really cool and he says where's your church i want to come next sunday and and coco is this the part that's getting published uh i can edit this out well <laughs> I, i'll believe it myself okay she, coco says fool you're in the mother effing church like because he was in the <laughs> band you're in the church really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and, and really flood the airwaves with something different? Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And I'm excited to introduce you to my friend Brent Bittenbender. Isn't that an awesome name? I just... He needs to record uh, an album or something or write a book so we can just say his name a whole bunch of times. Um, but I met Brent, oh man, four or five years ago, and he was doing some inner city work here in Detroit, ministering to the homeless, uh, and in particular those who are struggling with addiction. And so this we've had this opportunity to catch up with him. He talks about messy faith, uh, deconstructing his faith, 10 years of sobriety, and then finding his way back again. Uh, and so in this episode, we there's a couple of references. One is to his meditation website, and I will include the link in the uh, pod, podcast notes. And so you can grab that there, jump over there and check it out. Uh, and then we also talk about Richard Rohr's book called Breathing Underwater, and I'll also include a link for that as well. Uh, Richard Rohr is, I always forget if he's Jesuit or Franciscan priest, uh, but he uh, he takes the 12 steps and, and wades through them in a different way uh, and really just takes a look at uh, how we have that relationship with Christ as we walk through the 12 steps. But uh, fabulous, highly recommend it. And Brent mentioned that there's a workbook that goes with it. And I would recommend that book to any Christian, even if you don't have uh, an addiction to substance or a substance abuse issue, uh, because the reality is we all have something that tries to master us in this world. And so it would be worth a read. Anyway, I'm looking forward to you. Uh, this is a long episode. But I really want you to just listen all the way to the end because really it's about halfway through. We start getting into some deeper things and I think you'll enjoy it. It'll be a blessing for someone. Uh, and my guess is as you're listening to this, you're going to think, hey, so-and-so needs to hear it. So share that with them because the podcast is now on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. We are also on Stitcher and Spotify. So, as well as the Podbean app, which is whatever you call it, the platform that I use uh, for posting. So, uh, check it out. Enjoy this episode. Share it with a friend. And I'll be back shortly in the next episode to talk more about the virtual retreat that's coming up. I haven't forgotten about it. More info is coming. I'm going to do a beta test on it. And you definitely want to jump in on that beta test. So, Enjoy the episode. Yeah. Hey, how's yep. Kalamazoo? It's Kalamazoo. <laughs> <Now>, Kalamazoo <laughs> is great. I love I love the city of Kalamazoo. Of course, I don't love the country of anything. Right. I think I could go to, I don't know, trying to think of something beautiful. Nothing's beautiful right now. I would say Oregon or something, but everything's on fire, so. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just am not much of a naturey kind of guy i want tall buildings and but the city itself is is a pretty cool city but i don't get yeah. there much i'm out here at the indian lake campground you, i think you know that and yeah yeah i've been there rows and rows of cornfields right um, and that's about it <laughs> right how long have you been there roughly four years the the year in Detroit was the first of these figuring things out years. 
and then right. that's been five years. So I guess four, roughly. Because you have your little girl, Harper, right? Uh, Ruby Harper. Ruby yeah, Harper, yeah, yeah. Harper, but I, I wanted her whole first name to be Harper. And right. so you might have caught me calling her Harper because I sometimes I refuse to believe I didn't get my way. Yeah. She's what, three? Yeah, she's three. And she's, she's going to be our, we had a um, wild personality boy who's 20 now. And um, Ruby's going to be our wild girl. She's, she's something <laughs> else. What, what are you recording right now? I soft launched a website for guided meditation with cool. a, I don't even want to say Christian spin, but you, because, you know, I'm really involved in Narcotics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. So there, you don't, you're not supposed to put a real clear definition on what you're talking about when you talk about God. Right. But everybody there, you know, has yeah. some level of Christianity that they're talking about. Most of them don't go to church because right. church people don't understand us. But that when they say God, they're they're referring to what America is talking about right. when they talk about God. For the most part, you know, I know there's exceptions, but yeah. So I don't I leave that kind of open, you know, fill in your own blanks on what God looks like and whatever. But these guided meditations are they need musical backdrops and then I break when it's silent and I'm not talking, it breaks into instrumental mood music that hopefully right. isn't as cheesy as some of the other meditation <laughs> things are. You feel like you're in an elevator and that doesn't help me meditate. So I also don't, I don't meditate well if the, if the person running it just jumps right into breathing, exercise, whatever. I kind of need like a three minute devotional <laughs> or, right. know, for yeah. lack of a better word. So I'm writing and recording those, but I backed off of publishing that, you know, putting them out there because in the summer I'm so busy with lawn care, I can't, I can't put enough of them out there quick enough to feel like I'm doing a good job. So I just, right. I didn't shut it down because not too many people even know about it, but I, right. you know, just stopped promoting it. And, but it'll relaunch in a bigger way, late November, December, on time for New Year's is the goal because people right. think they want to try new things or their life screwed up and they want to quit or what you know whatever yeah. so that's kind of what they're built for and they'll re reappear with a you know some more hardcore marketing and whatnot right. they're free and everything but I'm sure you've heard some podcasts that do funding through Patreon right and right yeah so yeah. hopefully hopefully some people will you know help me keep equipment going and all that kind of stuff time will tell I just got to get those kinds of things. I, I mean, you could imagine, like, if you can't, um, you know, be professional, a professional part of a church, there's all right. these longings you've had for all this time to help people and make, make things, create music and art or whatever. And then you suddenly don't have a way to do it. So 80% of it is just me getting that stuff out. And then Hopefully it'll help some people <laughs> besides me. I don't know. Uh, well, send me the yeah. link because I'd love to include that. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you what um, what's there now. I think there's there's all the opening meditations that explain because it's called the connect and, okay. and the idea is that first we connect with self, then we connect with spirit, and then we connect with creation. So that okay, here's where I'm at, um, spirit. Let me connect with you for some guidance. And then hopefully we're guided to something in creation, people, books, whatever, to help us or help others or walks you through that. So those explanation uh, meditations are done and a couple others are done. And my daughter does a children's story portion that has a couple done. And then cool. a bunch of just music, like all of the backdrops or whatever, because that's what ended more people so far are into just um, putting that stuff on while they do
do their meditate, you know, without having to listen to me, right. which is humbling. So I've been recording a bunch of the music, so it's all ready to go when I start writing the connections again. Put them out just on time for New Year's, I hope. And I all hope right. by then um, COVID is whatever. COVID doesn't stop me from doing that. In fact, it helps, but um, right. yeah, hopefully we're in some kind of normal place by then. Who knows? But by the new year? All right, well. Yeah, good luck. You, you just keep thinking that. <laughs> yeah. When one or the other president gets installed on January 1st, I have this <laughs> feeling that either way, it's going to be an interesting day in America. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's January. Whenever that is, I know it's January. Yeah, somewhere in January. Yeah, I know. I don't know how much you want to be candid. So you just share what, whatever, you know? Yeah, so. no, I'll, um, you know, I'll be vague when it needs to be vague and I'll be <laughs> detailed when it, there's not much that needs to be vague. I mean, the family's going through some stuff that I wouldn't put their business out right. on the street. I don't care about mine, but, um, but all my journey through um, no longer having a box to put God in and then creating not a box, but you know, if you're going to work with this um, indescribable thing that is God, you got to have some kind of structure or whatever belief system right. for what God does and doesn't do. And, uh, or else it's just kind of too vague for me. I'm an overthinker. So I need some structure. Yeah. Like, some kind of, paradigm or whatever yeah and yeah. mine's super simple for now because i ain't i'm not there yet it's just real <laughs> real real basic the things i definitely believe and then i'm piecing the piecing the rest together but that whole journey and how addiction mixes into it and my strong connection in the 12-step movement all that stuff is wide open you're in the reconstructing phase yeah, I don't know how much you get into those uh, progressive labels, but deconstruction started when my sister died, before Detroit, before everything. I just didn't know what it was. I don't think I knew you then, did I? No. Well, more than likely, no. I was working in a non-denom church, so you wouldn't, you'd have to some otherwise be connected. We were in Adrian, you know, and then that flowed into feeling like that wasn't the work for me, so... We actually came back to the Nazarene church, more conservative, to get um, hooked up with something that would help us go do inner city work. Because to fund that in a non-denom, you have just your congregation, no no right. further help. But, you know, the all of Nazarendom got behind us when we came to Detroit, so. Yeah. Well, so your sister died, how old was she? She was... At the time, uh, I never did that math. Uh, Thirty-eight something. Thirty-eight. Yeah, 30 something. She died in a car accident um, on her way to a children's pastor interview in Dayton, uh, or on her way home. Actually, the big piece that kind of sparked deconstruction was she didn't die right away, so hundreds of people are praying and uh, you know all this kind of stuff but then she died anyway and so a lot of my you know I never believe that every prayer gets answered but when it happens right. to you all these right. people are praying and then it doesn't work and she's literally on her way to do, go do God's work in Dayton right all kinds of questions just started coming and the inability to teach the way I was once teaching, all things work together for good. And, uh, you know, right. I couldn't say those words for some time. And so all I felt like could be authentic was going and helping people who are hurting. So let's go to Detroit because all of the other teachings and whatever just couldn't come out of my mouth anymore. Yeah. How, how long after she died did you come to Detroit? I, I, we stayed there in Adrian for another year and a half or so gotcha. and then um you know dave downs at chapman um called meeting a youth youth or music i can't remember it was one or the other but by the time 
we got uh, hired, I negotiated youth music and outreach. Like I gotta, you know, start making some headway in, in this idea of helping uh, poor, homeless, addicted, all of those things. And I didn't really necessarily tell them the ultimate goal was to get to Detroit because I didn't know for sure. But yeah, it was definitely to move out of youth and into outreach. And music is just always a side thing. If you got me around, I'm going to do a bunch of the music anyway. So why not throw the title in there? And right. Oh, yeah, that was that was a couple years still at the Nandanam, then to the Nazarene to try to I thought it'd take five whatever years to build up a reputation, but I went and told um, your DS. Oh, Gardner, yeah. Gardner, yeah. yeah. I went and told him what the ultimate goal was over coffee, and he's like, let's do it now. Like, you know, that was when planting new churches was like the big goal, and I didn't see it as a church, but if that's what you want to, if that's what you need to call it, right? Um, it'll be a church. And by true biblical definition, it was a church. We just didn't have Sunday morning service with free coffee and a big band or whatever. The funniest thing, the the best description of that time there was when our little Coco, our one of our regular people that we helped, was in the band. We're driving around helping people and whatever, and we picked up a guy to take him to um, the showers at you know the homeless shelters for a shower. And, you know, he liked us and he thought, thought everything was really cool. And he says, where's your church? I want to come next Sunday. And, and Coco, is this the part that's getting published? Uh, I can edit this out. Well, I, I'll bleep it myself. <laughs> okay. She, Coco says, fool, you're in the mother effing church. Like, because he was in the band, <laughs> you're in the effing church. So yeah, she she nailed it on the head. Like, you this is the church out on the street. Right. Whatever. That was a funny little description of what we were. But she was right. You know, minus yeah. the language. I wasn't gonna like make that our our motto or whatever. <laughs> Put it on the website or nothing. But that she was right. Yeah, I want to come back to how you know that how that that journey because that's that's really where you and I connected up. Um, yeah. But, but first, let's talk about your faith growing up. Like, what was your background? Because I think that sets the tone a little bit for then how things kind of Oh, yeah, yeah. Years. Yeah. Yeah, well, we were Nazarene. Dad was youth and music. So, like, that's something I never wanted to do. <laughs> Ironically, ended up doing it for 20 years. Yeah, and uh, and that was back in the time when you know things were very black and white no jeans no earrings no um dancing movies all those things and of course my dad had to be the the king of those kinds of things because he was you know in leadership so uh here i am creative artistic all those kinds of things and none of that could really come out because right. we weren't allowed to do any of that stuff and so I always struggled with the rules and with the, you know, what I saw as hypocrisy. Um, I can't do this, but that guy is gossiping his head off and no one says a thing about her. So I was constantly criticizing everything. And, but at the same time, I didn't want to go to hell. So, you know, I got saved every Sunday, <laughs> um, repented and, you know, tried to shoot at that time, things like sanctification seemed like, you know, if you really submitted, you won't ever be tempted again. You'll be right. free. That, that's at least how it came across to me. So I'm like trying to get whatever that is and none of it's uh, working, at least to right. what I thought, how I thought it was supposed to work. Um, so at whatever point it was, mid, late high school, I just said, I'm out even though I wasn't actually out because dad still made me go to church, spiritually, mentally, whatever, I was out, got out of their house, did, you know, all those kinds of things, moved to Detroit. It was tough to make ends meet when you're 19 years old, living with a bunch of other 19 year olds or whatever. So I 
started selling weeds. So by that time, I believed I was an atheist. Um, so there really were no rules. Started right. selling weed, throwing parties, DJing clubs. Um, you know, I was definitely, I wasn't even in rebellion because I didn't believe. Like, right. you have to believe in God to run from God. Right. So I didn't believe in God. So I was just living life. Um, and then, you know, to make things short, people have heard the story a hundred <laughs> times, you know, gateway weed, drinking a little bit of drugging. Um, and then I ran into crack cocaine and like in two months, everything was a completely different and destroyed life. You know, I hit it as long as I could, but um, I went from 160 pounds to 130, never had money for anything, going to jail for stealing stuff. And, you know, it didn't take long. People put two and two together, definitely out of control. So dealt with that by you know just trying to quit and went to a whole bunch of rehabs and of course my parents always set up parents always lined up the uh really long-term jesus places you know god-oriented and i hadn't told them because i didn't want to break their hearts but like i don't believe in god so so that stuff never worked you kind of got to believe in god to get helped by those things you know, after whatever, 10 years-ish of uh, living inside that addiction, something just broke at a camp meeting right here at Indian Lake. You know, it was just a, a God thing, for lack of a better word. Something just broke, and I believed. I, I didn't have any of the details worked out because, you know, I came, <laughs> I didn't love science, like, educationally. Um, but I came from the world that believed in, you know, a young earth, had a lot of people tell us that dinosaur bones were just put there by Satan to confuse us. And so I, the first thing I had to deal with is how does, you know, I feel God in my life, but I don't believe any of this stuff about Satan putting dinosaur bones. You know, I had to come to grips with mixing science and what it took me a while to to get to where I could call myself a Christian because I tied all these other strange things to that word. And, uh, but I was in a Jesus-y rehab at that point, went there, Mel Trotter uh, Rescue Mission in Grand Rapids. And I just put, put those answers together well enough um, that what felt like a call to youth ministry, I jumped right into it. I married a preacher's daughter and so that was kind of easy because he needed some volunteer youth help. And then that turned into a little more and a little more and a little more. And before I knew it, I was, you know, full-time youth with a year and a half clean. Yeah, and it helped that I knew music. Um, this black guy in the mission taught me how to play church music. So I had music that used to be rock and roll, but he gave me that. I don't know what you call it. He gave me soul, taught me how to make that work um, without having to really read music or anything like that. So that always helped too. You, you get this youth guy, you get music, you get outreach, you get all these things. So uh, it didn't take long to have work, but I relapsed inside of that because I hadn't been, I shouldn't have taken on that kind of responsibility with a year and a half clean. And, you know, DSs would, forgive me, get me some counseling and whatever, and I'd do good for another year or so, and then I would fall again. But there were all these things that weren't worked out yet inside, because we didn't know about that. Like, I was still trying to go to the altar to pray for magical power to not be tempted. There's nothing wrong with that being a part of what you do, but I didn't understand that the answers to those prayers often lied in getting help from the body or from tools that work therapy whatever it is i just did the prayer and hoped it would get better the next morning and it usually it would because you were um emotionally spiritually invested in doing better so you, you'd do better for a while you think then for a big long time 10 whatever years i was clean 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 
um, working in mostly in non-denom churches because I kind of ruined my name in the Nazarene church. But yeah, you get 10 years clean, all of a sudden you got a good name again. Right. We came back, made our way to Detroit, and then to my great surprise, because I didn't see it coming, one night I bumped into an old friend from the 90s, couldn't believe it, had to, what, had to catch up for a minute, right. um, and then he just reached his hand out and dropped a bunch of my favorite stuff in my hand and said, I got you, man, if you, you know, I got you. And that was it, the, you know, a split second decision. And there were a lot of things going on up here. Right. So it wasn't like out of nowhere in that sense, but the actual opportunity to use was just like, where did that come from? You know, that led to very rare, but a few more episodes there. And we were in Detroit for 14 months. And I think I used six or seven times, which sounds like a lot, but, you know, addicts use every day. So right, six right. or seven times was, uh, you know, for most people, not the end of the world, but it was the end of our world. Like I couldn't, I couldn't um, in good conscience keep calling myself Pastor Brent or um, let other people think that things were okay. So we called it DS and um, you know, agreed that we got to wrap this up and figure out another plan. So, yeah, that's when we came out to uh, Kalamazoo. Here, I started my lawn care business, which is growing and doing well, but it leaves you with not a lot to do in the winter. And and things have been way less than perfect here. I don't I don't think people know that they you know, everything fell apart in Detroit, but he moved to Kalamazoo and, and got better. No, I've, I've fallen way more here than I did in Detroit, which has led to this extreme uh, connection with, for me, it's Narcotics Anonymous. I'm not supposed to, we're not supposed to like promote what we are, but I, you know, that's, that's the program I use, 12-step program. Um, I'm incredibly, uh, invested in uh, a part of that program and that's what's helping me get better you don't get better um, in other ways until you're better here and, and here right so all of the healing and reconstruction because you know the first about the second thing they tell you in the tw any 12-step movement is okay now you need some kind of higher power and I'm raised in such a way that you can't just have this big higher power I got to define it. I got to build a box for it. I got to figure out how it works for me. I got to find a group of people who think like me so I can go worship with them. And most of those things are finding someone who thinks like me. Good luck. So I'm reinventing. It's still Christianity. Don't get me wrong. But reinventing what it looks like to be a Christian, what you have to believe, what maybe is just what humans have put on us, you know, separating all that, taking what works, getting rid of what doesn't work. It's way more important that me and God today have a connection than it is for me and his people to have a connection. Yeah. In other words, if I don't believe what you believe, sorry, um, it's more important for me and God to be cool than for me and you to be cool. And I don't try to be that mean about it <laughs> but, but yeah it's tough it's tough finding people to do jesus with spiritual boundaries with people yeah. most of us don't have any and that's what gets us in trouble yeah no it's it's tough and and also the you know the most outspoken are usually the extremes in any direction so you know it's really hard to go sit with people who who believe my sister died because a girl at her funeral got saved get out of here like i just right, can't right, i right, can't right. be around that kind of thinking that like god would take my sister so some girl would get saved like god's limited that much and couldn't draw her to him some other way <laughs> um so just some of that typical everything happens for a reason, uh, something good's gonna come out of this kind of thinking is 
is tough for me. And especially the worst one for me is when people say things like, um, well, I, I, I got in this car accident, but I guess God still had a plan for me. And so he miraculously saved my life in that time. Well, that's all fine and good, but that implies that everybody who doesn't miraculously live, God didn't have a plan for. Like there's always a second part of the sentence. And, and I struggle greatly with spending time inside of that mentality. So yeah, so yeah church, is, <laughs> church is tough for me. My real church, as far as community that helps people get um, to the next good place in their life, that's it's the 12 step movement movement right i still like to get with other christians to uh worship pray you know have that type of community but theological belief sharing type of community i i am still searching for where i'll be able to do that well yeah yeah and you're leading a zoom right now at na zoom meetings well they're it's face to face again now um we're meet we're able right now to meet outside and keep that safe so yeah we're not i don't have to um host the internet meeting anymore but who knows what's going to happen when it gets cold we're we're um most of us are lean towards the stay safe side you know how uh, most of us lean that way um so i don't think we're ready to go indoors and it's getting yeah. cold. <laughs> right? So I don't know we I don't know what's going to happen. We have our business meeting tonight and I'm sure that's one of the topics we're going to have to dive into. So it might go zoom again and I'm the most technologically savvy so um <laughs> NA doesn't really get led. No 12 step groups get led. There right. there might be a chairperson who kind of calls things to order. But there's no teacher, there's no, gotcha. I'm the one in charge, here's the advice you need to hear. Um, it's all just what we call sharing experience, you know, where you're at, hope, what's helping you get through it, um, experience, hope, and strength, you know, what what's helping you, where do you get your strength from? So you just kind of go around the circle and stuff and share those things is really all it is, dumping your heart out on the table yeah. and did you guys talk about the different steps like each week? Do you like, I've only done the only ones I've seen is celebrate recovery. So I yeah. experienced that. Celebrate recovery. I used to, when I was working inside churches, I launched and really led two of, of those in two different towns. Right. Um, so I know about celebrate recovery. It is considerably more structured. Other 12 step groups, are a whole lot more free like you don't have to believe this you don't have to believe that um they leave a lot more room for a person who's not really ready to get all that religious but right. yeah same idea they've readapted the 12 steps to be the eight principles with cr you like each week you focus on one of the steps so i didn't know if they did that you know like whatever this week yeah. you're doing step five or whatever i don't know Every group that um, decides to launch their meeting has a different goal. And there are um, textbook meetings that do close to that. You know, you read the chapter or whatever and then discuss it. Nowhere near all that. Um, Our workbook is something you sit alone with and work out with your um, sponsor. Just you and for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it gets way more honest if you don't have 12 other people in the room. Right. I was a pastor leading the thing. I'm not going to talk about temptations right. and struggles and failures. You know, yeah. I'm supposed to be the guy with the answers. So yeah, we do that deep sharing with our one-on-one with our sponsor. And then, and it's really not a, about drugs. It's about um, putting together all those missing pieces that led to um, this de- desire to escape from real life we happen to use drugs to do that, but you know, everybody right. uses something different, right? Whatever it, whatever it might be. Everybody runs in a different way. And we do go through the 12 steps. Um, there's a little 
devotional book for lack of a better word and that get at our meeting that gets read at the beginning and most people talk about whatever that daily meditation we call it um was about most people share right. about that unless they got something big going on now did you do na when like at the beginning of your 10-year sobriety like is that how you got to that 10-year point no um no it was 12 steps though um it was an out a six-month outpatient uh program i don't think i was working in a church then uh i forget exactly what i was doing but um i had a big major fall got arrested you know i'm deep in the christian community but it was time to uh really get serious so i joined a six-month outpatient program and the therapist there was a genius at combining the Jesus stuff with the 12 steps, like right. way better than I've ever seen it done by any <laughs> other program. Of course, I was desperate, so probably anything would have worked, but, um, but she did that really well. You know, I stayed clean, ended up going to work for her until I had enough time clean that churches were interested again. Oh, I know what I was doing. I was, <laughs> I was kicking off launching. Uh, I was the manager at a bookstore's coffee shop when that really bad night happened. Then everything got real desperate, really real, because I hadn't been in jail for a long time. That was a wake-up call for sure. And then that sparked the the ten years clean and the going back to Nazarene Church. And have you read Richard Rohr's Breathing Underwater? Yeah. Uh, 12 times. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on my second time through. It's so, he's just brilliant. And yeah, yeah. He is. I know a lot of people got different opinions about all of this theology, but he's a word master in making oh, yeah. things finally make sense. Like right. things that everybody kind of thinks and believes, but can't put it together. And so, yeah, one of the times um, during my, this recent struggle, one of the times that, you know, if, if things don't go perfectly well, we think the tools that we're using are bad. So right. like I dumped my 12-step program for a my personal, you know, NA, I dumped them for a minute and tried different things. And that book and that, there's a workbook journal thing that can come with it if you buy it that really built some rejuvenation and, and whatnot, ended up realizing it wasn't the 12 step program's <laughs> fault that I fell. It was, you know, things I just hadn't worked out yet yeah. up here. And in here, you know, I came back to that and kept finding relief there. But yeah, Richard Rohr's book is all of his books, but that yeah. one especially, because it walks through the 12 steps, that one especially is, was a really big tool. In fact, I keep thinking about going through it again because it's fun to compare like answers in the workbook. It'd be fun oh, yeah. to see what I thought a couple of years ago and compare it to where I'm at today. I hope I'm growing. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm growing. <laughs> I'm changing. I know I'm changing. I'm reading it the second time through on Kindle. And so I'm using different colors to highlight stuff, but I'm like, I need to get a hard copy, you know? Cause there's some books like that that you're like, yeah, I need that tangible. Yeah. yeah. Where I'm, you're highlighting, making notes and yeah. That companion journal, you can, it's cheap paper book, whatever to go with it is at least for my, for me is awesome. Cause it forces you to think through whatever it is he's talking about. I'm real good at dozing off into, <laughs> in the la la land while I read or, I listen to audiobooks while I mow. It's real easy for me to miss stuff if I'm not writing it down. So you, so then you started doing, once you got your 10 years, what, so what was it, like a couple years in, and that's when you started doing non-denominational? Well, first, the lady who ran that place um, hired me to work there, working with her younger people. And so I did a whole lot of, you know, with them, the five-year planning, for lack of a better word, but where do you want to be in five years? Where do you got to be? Where do you got to be? Till, well, I guess the first thing I got to do is get my GED. 
if I want to be a doctor, <laughs> I'm going to need to do. So I did that with young people for, for a while. And, but that built a reputation in the town because I do guest um, worship and stuff too. Gotcha. And so ended up getting a job in that town, which switched to a different job in that town. I changed churches and went four miles away. You're not supposed to do that. I know. The <laughs> Nazarene church would never move a guy four miles away. But these were two different nom to nom. So did the 10 years clean in that most of the ten, Some of that was when I headed off to Nazarene um, trying to put my license back together in hopes that I could get to the inner city. Once my sister died at about seven, eight years clean, that's when things started to unravel. And I wasn't so sure I wanted, I didn't mind doing music, but teaching young people how God works when you're not sure how he works. Mm, right. <laughs> that's, that's a complicated uh, things like sending the Israelites in to crush babies' heads because they're the enemy of God. Like that stuff. I'm like, I ain't teaching that one <laughs> because yeah. I didn't understand it. Still don't. Um, not sure what I think about that. I just, someone taught me to, you know, as you're growing, take the things that make sense and give you a mission, give you a challenge. Worry about that and worry about the other stuff when you need to. So that's right. in the other stuff category for me. <laughs> I don't mean to belittle the church when I say this, but that's the beauty of the 12-step world that doesn't insist you understand God a certain way. They all have opinions. They all have what they what works for them, what they believe, but it's constantly evolving. They would all admit that. There's all kinds of room for that in the 12-step movement that I haven't been able to find. You know, I need to go do that there. I'm going to come pray, worship, and serve in the church, but I need to go get that junk out at a safer place, at least for me. I get that. So you ended up back in Detroit. More and more, you know, and I've confessed this to my old boss and whatever here at here in um, Vicksburg, Chat Naz was my last Nazarene regular church. Uh, but more and more and more since my sister died, man, I can't teach that. I can't teach about who's going to hell and exactly how you get to hell. You know, all these things. I don't know, but they need me to know. They need me to have answers. Right. So I just couldn't do that anymore. The only thing I knew for sure I could do is go help homeless, addicted, mentally ill people get help. I don't care where they get it. I don't care if they come to know Jesus like I do. I didn't, I didn't care. That probably depresses some people because, because none of that's going to get real healthy if they don't get that disease under control anyway. So who cares? Who cares if they believe in Jesus like me, if they're out on the streets nuts shooting heroin like they're they're not going to get you can believe whatever you want you're not going to get well till right. you deal with that issue so that, right. that i just chose for that to be the only thing that mattered but then yeah. then this the the stress we were alone down there they like you know there was black church down there there was white church that i could drive to but they had they did not get me at all and, uh, you know, we left all of our support. I could call them or, you know, Facebook them or whatever, but it's not the right. same as sitting in a room. Yeah. So I was mentally stressed, worried, concerned. We didn't, never knew if we were going to get paid the next week. It, it always came through. We never had a problem with money, but we never knew for sure that next week we weren't going to have a problem. So the right. stress of all that. I don't, I don't blame all that. I made the decision to use, but the stress of all that put me in a place where I was vulnerable. Because you didn't really know a whole lot of people. I mean, we got to know each other a little bit, but you know a whole lot of people in this district. Out of the Nazarene church for, I can't remember, but 10-ish years for like a decade. And so, yeah, there wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot to lean on. There was not support. I didn't think that through. And I hadn't used in 
10 years, I felt like I no longer need to worry about being tempted to use. Like right. I hadn't had a real desire to do that in years. After about two years clean, I, I didn't even go to, you know, those self-help groups or 12-step, anything. I didn't go to nothing. I advised right. other people to, but my support had evolved, you know, from that outpatient program. Some of them came with me to church, and then little by little, it was a small group that we called right. chosen family. Um, and people came in and out of that group, but that was my that was my tribe, that was my people. And when we came to Chapman and subsequently Detroit, we still loved those people and we get together with them. But they we didn't do life with them anymore. They were they were there. We were here. I didn't know it. I always tell people I didn't know it, but I was going to 12-step help every day, especially on Thursdays when we met. Gotcha. I was going to that support and that help where I could be honest and open and they'd accept whatever we had to say to each other. I was going to that for all those years, but never knew it. So mm -hmm. when I moved, I didn't know I needed to replace that. I mean, I knew I needed new friends, but I didn't, I didn't know I was getting that help. It was happening naturally. Uh, and then I walked away from it and wondered why things got so screwy. Yeah, there's so all of a sudden there's a vacuum and yeah, you could go to a meeting or whatever when you realize things are bad, but it takes for me, I don't trust people, especially if they're trying to get me to do something that they think is right. right. I have to question that, see if it works. It, it takes time to have those kinds of relationships. You don't just build that stuff overnight. No, you don't. You went to, I went to small groups, so now I'm doing life with no, you're not. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I hear that when people will come once or twice to something and, and they'll be like, I just don't feel like I connect. I'm like, yeah. you, were, you were literally together like 20 minutes. <laughs> perfect, perfect example. I don't know. I went to this or that and didn't feel like it was for me. Well, I didn't feel like it was for me. I've been going back. Because I'm desperate, I have to go back or I'm going to die. But I've been going back for four years and I'm just now feel, you know, just now in the last six months, it's been natural for me to just call people because they're my brother. Just, yeah. it was a class I went to. I'm not sure I have like a lot of your, my questions you answered already, but just maybe you can just describe because there'll be a lot of people who don't have this background like this. This is it's not their experience. But then yeah. I have people I know that are listening that have some kind of substance addiction experience in their background. Like mm -hmm. what does it, what's it feel like to live sober? Well, when you know, when you know the opposite, it, it becomes the only thing that matters because nothing else good um, can happen unless that's under control. It took me a really long time. People would tell me that um, your recovery has to come first. Um, I know you have plans with your kids tonight or your wife or whatever, but you need to make a meeting. Like you screwed up a month ago. You need to make a meeting every day. And it took me a really long time to be like, that is not the most important. My babies are the most important. Blah, blah, blah. And so when you get on the other side of accepting that and you recognize that the only way I can take care of my babies, the only way I can whatever is by diving into this, there's like a freedom in, un in accepting that this has to be, this recovery thing has to be your life or you're not going to have a life. There's like this strange comfort that comes when you recognize that, that you know, the the Recovery is the key to even having a life. And realizing that gives you the hope, wow, I'm, I might have a life again because recovery is coming first. I am the kind of person that there had to be a whole bunch of bumps and bruises and stuff. So, you know, a lot of that is still like, I don't even have a year clean right now. So I guess what I'm, you know, trying to be vulnerable and saying is it's a learning, you know, fall down, get back up, what went wrong? 
get with my sponsor. What the heck was that? What, why did that come out of nowhere? Um, what am I not addressing? Getting real honest in those kinds of situations so that you can learn from it, not, that, not make that mistake again and go out and get better. Having people to do that with, you know, the recovery world, being clean, sober, whatever, whatever it is you're working on, having people to do with that, to do that with is the best feeling in the world. You know, when we first came out here, I never felt so alone in my whole life. Don't believe all of what these people are saying. I haven't fit in with these people yet. Yeah. I, live, I live out in the country with a bunch of white, mostly old, evangelical Christians are my neighbors. Me and them are not on the same page on hardly anything other than we love God and we want to make the world a better place. We're good with that. But how to do those things and what that all looks like, you know, they, they're not going to be the people I go get vulnerable with. So I got to go to the city with the people who are like me. And even going there is dangerous because then I'm in, I'm in that environment. So, yeah, uh, it's comforting to have a group of people and the knowledge that I'm sick. So I, I know I need to do something about it inside this recovery world that I have not mastered. You know, the working through issues, failures, ups and downs and whatever, um, we learn in the recovery movement is not like this big thing you're supposed to be ashamed of. That's, that's hard for a lot of Christians to understand because we're supposed to go and sin no more. <laughs> like that hooker got up and never slept with another guy or whatever it went in, that, in that story. Of yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I went terrible. <laughs> no, it's okay. I get it. I get it. You talked a little bit about this, but how is your music and art? Because one of the things you said was you spent all this time suppressing the creative person that you were growing up and so how does now expressing your creativity how is that helping you to heal in this you know kind of this season yeah i i think it's going to get better when i have time to work on my meditations uh that i put out again um recording all that and whatnot it's it's tough right now you know to make ends meet feed the family to put life back together i work a lot and i'm super tired when i'm done working and i need to get with my kids and stuff and you know life but for 20 something 24 years i think i added up one time the way i worshiped was leading worship and i don't get to do that anymore you know right. But I don't even know how to wish to stand there and just sing at church. And when I say worship, I mean corporate musical worship. Right. There's a whole lot of other worship. <laughs> uh, but that thing is almost impossible for me to do in any way that I used to do it. Or even I go to church and they sing the songs and stuff, but I don't know how to connect. I try to play the keyboards on the pew, like. <laughs> and somehow take myself to the place um, where I'm familiar with worshiping. I worship alone in my special chair in meditation. That, that's the place where I have a real connection with God and can pray and can hear back. But it used to be sitting behind a piano or a keyboard with the microphone having prayed through the preparation of that like those those songs and that music weren't just what happened on Sunday I pieced them together according to what God was filling me up with so that I could dump it out and there's just none of that happening anymore so there's a real void that isn't isn't finished yet I'm almost thankful we can't do normal church right now because church hurt like yeah that guy's doing my job, you know, leading the worship. This guy over here, um, this, and this guy teaching this class thinks this. I can't even sit in that class. I've grown a lot while we're just not doing church. 
which I, you know, I've done church. I listen to your sermons. I listen to Richard <laughs> Brewer. I listen to Brian Zant. Well, I won't say their names because you might piece together just how um, heretical I am. <laughs> I like Zan. I like Brian Zan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, all of those things, um, I can, I can piece church together. My, my uncle planted a church specifically for homeless people in Clearwater, Florida. So I listen to his worship, then I switch up musical worship, then I switch over. Anyway, I do church uh, online, but it's, it's um, piecing together. Ten years ago, I would have said, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. The truth of God. You <laughs> but yeah, this recovery movement has taught me, go find what gets you through another day, sane and connected to your higher power, to God, yeah. and worry about your truth-finding evolution a day at a time. You don't got to have that stuff all figured out or make yourself believe what the pastor said. You'll get there. If you really believe the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and empowering you to know him, then why, why trust a human to have all the answers? You'll, you'll get there. Yeah, there's no, there's no one of us that has the answers. Yeah, no, the people's journeys through figuring that out helped me way more than here's the Bible verse, here's what it means, here's how you live it out. That's all well and good, but I'd way rather hear your story about how you lived it out and yeah. the 20 times you failed at it before you finally got it right. You know, that kind of stuff is what helps me. I, t I said, uh, told my congregation yesterday, right? We're building the plane as we fly over the ocean. That's scary. <laughs> well, okay. And now it feels like that even more so right now. Like, I'm mm -hmm. like I think I knew that before, but. Yeah, we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Somehow we'll still we'll still be here next year. More than likely. More <laughs> likely, I, I, unless the asteroid comes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We as a we as a human race will surely be here next year. So your desire to serve others. So right now you're doing the meditation stuff, working yep. on that. And people just, uh, you know, I would re say that I soft launched. It's not, it's not complete, but it's, it's pretty cool already. People are getting help from it, especially just the instrumental music that's not too cheesy. I want to like really, really launch on New Year's Eve. Uh, it's the connecttoday.com, but we're on uh, Facebook and stuff too. And in fact, joining the Facebook page, you know, liking that page mm -hmm. enables everyone to get the notifications that hey we're starting back up or here's a new meditation we call them connections i don't know if meditations is the it's like a little mini devotional that turns into time to think it through and right plan for putting it into action so yeah i'm making those and just the process of making them forces me to think through what's important you know stuff i'm gonna say and gives me the ability to record i love recording music i wish that was because you get to piece it together a part at a time i don't have to play all the pieces at once you, you hear the just the piano and then oh this would be cool this it's like life you you got one cool part but then you realize it needs some violin i love putting that together and then you know sharing it with others it's got to be able to help some people but since i love making it anyway it's not hurting me you have your Patreon account connected to it, set up? Or yeah, yeah, it's already um, set up. Got a couple donors who under, I had to let them know, you know, there's not going to be anything, you know, published right, right. for a while, but they understand that it takes equipment, time, whatever, yeah. to kind of put it all together. So they're behind um, that effort and oh. at least keeping the website paid for <laughs> until we launched. I'd like to think that so many people are being helped by it that a percent of them want to see, you know, a good chunk of time for my week being invested in that, you know. Right. Oh, and my other little outlet, I used to say when we traveled in Detroit, people will say, well, how do you worship, you know, unless you're invited to a church that week, how do you worship? And 
I always said, I worship with two 50 gallon drums. And that's because my barbecues are 50 gallon drums turned sideways, full of charcoal, feeding 150, 200 homeless people. Yeah. Um, that, I still have the barbecues. That process isn't super safe for me anymore. I need to give my recovery some time. So I switched that to uh, being the barbecue guy at all the recovery picnics and parties and all that kind of stuff. So I get to, you know, my other creative energy and stuff I love to do is, is now cooking for people in recovery instead of cooking for people that I'm trying to get into recovery. Right. Um, and it's, it's probably more important. It isn't as fun. Feeding homeless people is pretty yeah, fun. Yeah but it's probably just as important. Those are the couple things that I'm doing for now, helping my family heal. I mean, this stuff hurts them as much, if not more than me, obviously. So we're healing through that, uh, staying clean and he, you know, getting well, figuring out who God is for me is probably the big, the big goals in life right now. <laughs> And making enough money to feed my kids, you know, working at church was fun. It, I got paid every Friday. There were a couple times they warned us, offerings have been low, but I got paid every Friday. Um, this new world I'm in is, who knows? Right. But it yeah. builds, builds trust. And, you know, I got a lot of trust in God because I haven't missed a meal yet. Mistakes, failure, victories, good, bad. We haven't missed a meal, so yeah. luckier than some people. I'm reading this book right now that reminds you um, the fact that uh, people are starving in Uganda mm -hmm. doesn't really make me more thankful for the soup I'm going to have after this talk. It, that yeah. doesn't work. What you have to do is remember when you were star <laughs> starving right. for something, when you needed yeah. something, and it's a little better now. That, that can help people feel grateful. You don't get better from realizing you got it better than somebody else. There's always somebody a little worse off or better off. That doesn't help. Right. I want to be better than yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. And I don't mean have more stuff. I just have another day clean tomorrow. I want to be a little closer to God tomorrow. I want to, you know, all those things to grow. I don't care right. if I catch up with Pastor so-and-so or whatever. I just want to be better any final words of wisdom for my i don't say my audience but whatever listeners I, you know i i just think my life motto right now is to um you know accept where you're at the goals for where you want to be don't put them f too far down the line like when i used to help those young people you want to be a doctor get your ged right. Yeah. And if you're getting your GED, you are in the process of becoming a doctor. So I want my 10 years clean back so I can have a meaningful, purposeful, amazing, whatever super job and change the world. I want that. But if I scale that all down, I need to hit a meeting tonight, yeah. stay clean and feed my kids. And yeah. I am in the process of 10 years clean and amazing life. So that's just that's more important <laughs> to look at those three things than to worry about the rest. The old cliches of one day at a time, just for today, all those cliches are so true that people don't think about them, but they're, right. they're what hold me together. I'm going to do the right thing for the rest of today and wake up tomorrow and plan to do the same. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. I know. I know, I'm, I reach out, you're like, what? I don't think a lot of people know. It's funny how I've done a little bit of this. Um, it's funny. People reach out. Can you talk? Can you play? And I say, well, you need to know, you know, I didn't just leave Detroit and it, and it all got better. You need to know that talking with me is, might be a little ugly. <laughs> and <laughs> and then they say, awesome. That's what I want my people to hear. And I'm like, Okay, maybe the church world is getting better. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I, that's, a, that's another thing. You know, I miss sharing where I'm at, encouraging people to move to their next place. 
I don't get to do that much anymore. I appreciate when I can. Well, you're definitely going to, yeah, you're going to encourage some people. It's cool. going to be good. The reality is all of us have messy faith, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe. I oh, believe yeah. so. Yeah. Have a good one. Hi to all the people who I knew from your church. Yeah. That yeah. was a beautiful couple of stops the day we served and the day uh, we came and shared and other little things in between. Special place in my heart because I think you were the first church to invite us to come talk even before we came to Detroit. I think yeah. you were number one. There's still plenty. There's lots of people there that still remember you and ask about you. Hey, how are they doing? I'm sure they'll be jumping on to hear this one. 